Your neighbor Jim figured out that with MetroPCS, he gets unlimited data, talk, and text for $30, period. Babe, that color looks awesome. Just like he figured out that shopping with his wife will buy him a night with his buddies. That's Guy's Night Out figured out. You too figure it out. Switch to MetroPCS on the fast 4G LTE T-Mobile network for only $30, period. MetroPCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Plan includes first one gigabyte of data at up to 4G LTE speeds. See store or MetroPCS.com for details and terms and conditions and data management info. Hello again, everyone. I'm Joe Longinusa, welcoming you to another edition of Next on the T with Chris Mascaro, the show where industry leaders, golf professionals, and legends all come and discuss the great game we love so much. So without further ado, let's turn it over to our host to tell us who's next on the T. Chris, take it away. Hey, thank you, Joe. Good morning, everybody, and thank you for coming back and joining me today again on Next on the T. You know, we know you have a lot of choices for shows and podcasts to listen to out there, and we really appreciate the fact that you've chosen Next on the T to be one of them. I am your host, Chris Mascaro, and today I have two great friends of the show that I get the uh, privilege of sharing with you. First up is going to be PGA Pro top instructor and co-founder of the Salute Military Golf Association, Jim Estes. Jim, uh, you know, has uh, done so many great things uh, with the SMGA, so proud and humbled, you know, at the work that Jim has done for the Salute Military Golf Association, the things that they are doing to help either teach the game or bring the game back to our wounded warriors. Impressive isn't a strong enough adjective to describe the impact that the work that Jim and the SMGA is having on our military veterans. So I can't wait to have him update us on all the great things that they are doing. Jim is gonna be with me here in just a few moments. Following him is gonna be 2003 PGA champion, Sean McKeel. He's gonna be back with me to share more of uh, his insights and experiences with us, plus answer more of your questions as well. And, and maybe, just maybe, we'll get Sean to write that book that I'm confident is sitting there inside of him that needs to be put down on paper. So Sean will be uh, with me later this half hour. So. It's going to be a lot of fun today here on the show. It's going to be insightful. You're going to learn a lot of things, and we're going to share a lot of great experiences from two great people, great golfers, and great teachers of the game. So I'm so glad you're here to take the journey with me over the next hour or so. All right, now, you know, Next on the Tee is brought to you today and, and every week by our friends over at Seymour Putters. I want to get the show rolling by hearing a word from our friends over there. Golfers. Has this happened to you? Great drive. Perfect second shot on the green. Only the three or even four putt. Shaking your head all the way back to the cart. I have good news. Help is on the way with the Seymour Putter. The Seymour Putter Company patented RST technology sets up the putter perfectly every time using a visible gun sight on the top line. Genius. It's like locking radar onto the target, in this case, the golf hole, putting the golfer in perfect position to make a reliable and consistent stroke. The 1999 U.S. Open, 2007 Masters, and 2015 British Open champions all used, you guessed it, the Seymour putter. So if you're ready to make more putts, take strokes off your game, log on to Seymour.com. That's S-E-E-M-O-R-E.com, and put a Seymour putter in your bag today. Yeah, like Joe said, check out the putter technology that helped win now. 
three majors and 36 tour events and counting because this year's men's British Open champion was using a Seymour putter. It's going to help you make more putts. I know it's helping me. Check them out online. You can find them at Seymour.com, and that's S-E-E-M-O-R-E.com, and get one in your bag. You're going to be very glad you did. We are also sponsored by the French Lick Resort up in French Lick, Indiana. Folks, you hear me talking about it every single week here on Next on the Tee, but you want to talk about a spectacular resort to both play golf and to just relax and enjoy yourself. Well, there isn't a better place anywhere on the planet than the French Lick Resort. Go to FrenchLick.com and see for yourself. I had the privilege of taking my family there back in June, and we are, I'm telling you, we're already looking forward to the next opportunity we get to get up there. The resort, it's historic. It's beautiful. Got some wonderful gardens out behind it and a huge, relaxing rocking chair porch out on the front. And the golf, my friends, oh, my goodness, the golf. You hear me talk about, right? The Pete Dye course kept in championship playing conditions year-round. They could be ready to host a major championship there at a moment's notice. This year they hosted the Senior PGA Championship and the LPGA Legends Championship. So if you've always wondered, what would it like to be, you know, to play in a major? Well, you can go do it up there on the Pete Dye course. They also have the Donald Ross design course, which is fantastic. It's the site of Walter Hagen's PGA Championship victory back in 1924. They've also got the Valley Links course on the property that dates all the way back to 1907. So the French Lick Resort needs to be on your list of places to stay and play. And oh, by the way, my friends, they've also got a casino right there on the property as well. For more information and to book your stay, go to FrenchLick.com. Also want to give a shout out to our good friends over at Allen Edmonds, maker of top quality and made in the USA uh, shoes. Folks, the shoes of great leaders from the Oval Office to corner offices, to stage and screen and promising cubicles all around the country are what uh, what make people successful. The right footwear is important on the carpets and the hardwood floors of our global economy. So get it right with made in the USA quality and value from Allen Edmonds. Allen Edmonds is an American original. They've been making shoes right here in the U.S. and Wisconsin since 1922. So check them out online. You can find them at allenedmonds.com. We also want to kick off today's show like we do every single week here on Next on the Team. That's by saluting the brave men and women serving in our uh, military in every branch of the military. We want to thank all of you for your daily sacrifices for what you do to keep the rest of us safe. We also want to thank our veterans for all you've done for us over the years. We truly appreciate the sacrifices that you and your families made for us or are currently making for us to keep the rest of us safe and to preserve our freedoms and our liberties. It's through your strength and your efforts that our way of life is even possible. Our sincere thanks as well to Sean Cruz and all the wonderful folks over at the Armed Forces Radio Network. It's an honor for us to have Next on the T be a part of your network. You can find our show by going to armedforcesradionetwork.org. Also, I want to remind our veterans, please, be sure to check out globalvoiceforveterans.org. What a wonderful site with news and articles and a wealth of information designed specifically for our veterans out there. I'm sure you're going to find it both interesting and beneficial for you. Again, globalvoiceforveterans.org. All right, now back with me on the Seymour Putters guest line is Jim Estes. Jim is making his third appearance with me here on the show, and I want to remind you about his background. He's from Washington, D.C., played his college golf at the University of Tennessee and the University of Maryland. Jim won the 1985 Maryland Amateur Championship. He played on the Nike Tour, which is now the Web.com Tour, in the late 80s and 90s, winning the 1989 Greater Ozarks Open and the 1996 Nike Inland Empire Open. Jim also worked as a club professional during that time, winning the 1995 PGA Club Professionals Player of the Year Award from the PGA of America. 
2007, Golf Magazine presented Jim with the Innovator Award for the work that he is doing teaching the game of golf to our war veterans. 2008 was a big year for Jim. He was awarded the Middle Atlantic Sections uh, President's Award for his outstanding contributions to the local community. Finished seventh that year in the National Club Professional Championship and qualified for the PGA Championship. And he was named Middle Atlantic Player of the Year. In 2010, he, uh, he won the PGA Patriot Award. He is one of the top teachers of the game anywhere on the planet. And earlier this year, he played in the Senior PGA Championship, played at the Pete Dye Course, as you heard me say, about, uh, up at the French Lick Resort, which is one of our sponsors. He is also the co-founder of the Salute Military Golf Association, which provides rehabilitative golf experiences for our wounded warriors. And I'm so very thankful to have him with me next on the tee this morning. Good morning, Jim. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Chris. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you. So, you know, Jim, you know, we've been thrilled, you know, to partner with you and the Salute Military Golf Association. We've been promoting it, you know, here on the show for the last several months, all the great things that you guys are doing for our wounded warriors out there. Remind our listeners about the SMGA and update us on some of the things you've been doing since we talked, uh, I think, last back in August. Well, thank you first and foremost for for your radio program because being a small nonprofit, we need folks that are dedicated to helping the military transition and deal with all the things they have to deal with. Um, but what we're doing at SMGA is we're expanding our locations. First and foremost, we're going to hire another person uh, for our office. We have three, two people in our office right now. Gina Myers is our director of communications. She interfaces with all of our donors and all of our members, all the SMGA members. Um, we have nine locations right now, and we're going we're gonna to have two more online next year. And we're going to hire an equipment manager of golf programming and equipment. And they're really their responsibility is to make sure all of our wounded vets get custom-fitted equipment sent to them after they do their six-week either private instruction or clinic series. Um, the American Golfer program that we do, gives and you can sign up on our website where we're uh we're happy to do it we we want as many people as we can get to sign up and if you through documentation can show us you're post 9-11 you know um when i say post 9-11 that means it doesn't necessarily have to be iraq or afghanistan that you've been in combat and been either injured or have ptsd or uh, tbi it can be any overseas operation um that you took part in um you just fill out the paperwork, and then we will hook you up with a PGA professional. If you want to learn golf, uh, PGA of America is glad to do that, and our American Golfer program has expanded from 90 people to about 150 next year. So once you go through those six lessons, you're going to get a custom set of golf clubs, and then we we uh, have our golf experiences. So you can go to the Masters. You can play on Monday after the Masters. Pro-Ams you can, on the PGA Tour you have access to. So it's really, um, if you want to take up the game of golf and have fun with it, um, we want to be that provider. And so our director of programs is going to, um, we have an executive director, a young guy named Dan Flieger, who uh, is going to work with me as the director of golf operations. And we want to get the equipment out to you guys in a timely manner. So that's going to be this young man's job. He's going to be a PGA professional, uh, probably an assistant professional. Um, uh, he's already had some sort of experience as a, in the golf industry is, and, and, um, 
in addition to ordering the golf equipment online, he will be going around to the different clinic locations to make sure that we standardize our clinic curriculum, making sure that everybody's getting a quality golf experience, making sure guys are learning the game, they enjoy the game. We don't want to have any bad experiences. We don't want to get anybody injured. We want to make sure our pros are understand adaptive golf, understand a little bit about the body and what to teach people that have disabilities or physical challenges. I don't, like, I don't even like the word disability because there are many guys with multiple limbs missing that can beat me uh, on a given day. I mean, there are guys that can shoot 75 with one uh, one or two limbs missing. So, wow. Uh, uh, you know, that idea that someone's got a little bit of a physical challenge doesn't stop these guys. So they'll coordinate the delivery and the purchase of the clubs that we that we order, and through TaylorMade gives us a great deal. I mean, they give us clubs at 40 off cost, and we're happy uh, to have a relationship with them. And, we're you know, also we're going to have a, a couple new PGA professionals that are going to have a clinic series, Yankee Trace uh, in Ohio. Steve Marino is the director of golf. He's going to do a golf program. He's going to have a eight-week clinic series, which is what we recommend for new golfers to get them in golf, involved in learning the game and, you know, getting the skill sets you need to really enjoy the game. That's what we want. We want, at the end of the day, people playing golf for life. That's our goal. We want golfers for life. So um, so this director of programming and, and golf equipment managers, it really is what he is, uh, we'll be working with me on, on going around to the different locations and making sure we have adaptive equipment, people are getting, uh, you know, food and beverage and, and all the good stuff that comes with all the golf clinics, making sure the adaptive equipment that we have, um, special gloves, maybe a paragolfer, which allows somebody that's got a spinal cord injury to be able to sit in a chair, a hydraulic chair lifts them up in a golf position, and they can swing and hit the ball, assuming their upper body limbs work okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, um, it's a lot of fun. I get a lot of enjoyment out of it. And, um, I, I mean, my goal with Judy Alvarez, she's sort of my mentor in this and guys that in the disabled community that I worked with Bob Buck from the Eastern amputee golf association. Um, our goal, there's 18 million people, uh, that want to play golf that are disabled, and we need to we need to get those folks playing the game, and a lot of them are military folks. Um, so uh, they're just not they haven't been exposed to it. So we want to give them no barriers to entry. We want to give them clubs. We want to give them place to play, and we want to give them you know qualified instruction. Uh, so that's really the goal to grow the game. Correct. Yeah, that's fantastic stuff. I, I you know I I can't say kudos enough to you and the SFGA for uh, all you've established, Jim. And as you talked about a moment ago, you're adding a couple locations. So talk about, you know, where, where are the locations around the country so that our yeah. listeners you know, across the country can find one? Sure. Sure. So we ha- we just opened one in Hawaii at an air force nice. base. Um, Mo Radke's the PGA pro out there in Hawaii. And we have a guy on our um, board named Craig Naya, who was an air force uh, officer and he has family out there, and he got that going for us. And we started um, – so we have a clinic location at Fort Eustis down uh, in Virginia Beach area, and we're going to add another one down there um, for next year at the naval base down there, the MWR, Morale, Welfare, and Recreation Area uh, of the of the government, really oversees how these gentlemen and ladies um, transition either from an injured position back into the military or back into a civilian and so they want to give activities to people um 
that are going to help that transition, and golf is one of them. So we work with MWR, and the naval base down there is huge um, in the Portsmouth, Virginia area. And then we've got Fort Drum, which is up there. I call it Siberia because it's almost on the uh, Canadian border. Fort Drum is a very cold area. And our current president of the PGA of America um, at Malone Golf Club, um, gosh, I can't even remember how am I doing. I can't, I'm drawing a, a – Derek, gosh, Derek Sprague. He, we started up there in 2007, and Derek did some fundraisers for us, and we've got a nice chapter up there at Fort Drum. Um and um, then we've got Fort Bragg and Camp Lejeune. Now, we we just partnered with Methodist College, uh, Robbie down there, um, and uh, Jerry Hogg is the director of the PGM Professional Golf Management Program at Methodist University, which is right next to Fort Bragg, and they did a great job for us doing a clinic series down there. We had 12 people graduate from the clinic series. Um and then at the Alney location where I work, we had over 100 people. And we had 28 new uh, folks that graduated. Uh, that means you have to attend six of the eight clinics, and um, you're, you're qualified to get your, your golf clubs. And, and we have Montgomery County Revenue Authority runs all the, the public golf courses in Montgomery County, and they give us free access so that all the, all the wounded vets can, can play golf for a cart fee. No green fee. Wow. Um, yeah. So that's great. And um, so Yankee Trace in Ohio is uh, not too far from Columbus, Ohio. Um, and we're looking at another location in Ohio, too. But anyway, Steve Marino at Yankee Trace, I played there on the Nike Tour years ago. And it's a great facility, huge practice area. So that we're excited to get that one going for next year. And we've got a, a location in Boston. SMGA Boston's doing great. Bob Beach is a Patriot Award winner, PGA professional. He also is in the Hall of Fame in the in the New England section. They've got about 50 guys. And my man Jerry Shanahan, who uh, is uh, just unbelievable volunteer coordinator for us, he's sort of our uh, man on the ground to sort of coordinate and liaison for logistics. I mean, he gets the he does he does everything really. He does sponsorship stuff for us. He gets the pros for us. Um, so SMGA Boston's going great. We have SMGA Dallas Wounded Warrior Golf Association down there um, is another location that is huge for us because of the weather. Um, and Las Colinas Country Club does a great job for us providing that. And we've got PGA professionals down there that are doing a wonderful job. That location's thriving. Um, so let's see if I left them in, any of them out. I don't think so. Um, so I don't know. I, we've got eight or nine right now, and we're going to have two next year. Um, so yeah, things are going well. And the thing that I want to do is PGA hope, which the PGA of America decided that this is such an important cause that is, um, pro- providing golf experiences and opportunities for veterans. They started helping our Patriots everywhere. And Dave Windsor, sort of the national trainer, they're slightly different mission, in that they provide opportunities for all veterans, whether they've been injured or not, which is which is great. And yeah. um, their goal is they want to get um, 312 VA hospitals. Uh, they want to find a golf course and, and have uh, a clinic location at all of those. Now, they don't provide all the stuff we provide. We provide golf equipment and, and, and playing opportunities and all that. But 
it's still it's a great thing they're doing, and we want to develop a synergy there. Um, and so we're not all working against each other. So the goal at the PGA show down there in January is to get together with all the leaders. There's an Alliance for Accessible Golf. There's the National Adaptive Golf Association. There's the Eastern Amputee Golf Association. There's the United States Amputee Golf Association. There's the PGA of America. There's SMGA. There's Fairways for Warriors. It goes on and on and on, Chris. I mean, there's so many nonprofits. It's like, you know, post 9-11, everybody wanted to help the vets. And, you know, so, you know, there's there's something called a CFC number where you get combined federal campaign. If you're a federal government employee, you can – donate to your favorite nonprofit. And so we have to get, we're applying for that. And so there's a lot, it's, it's, it's like, you know, it's just never ending when you have a, we only uh, have 13 or 14 board members and two employees. And, and it's just, you know, we have a monthly board meeting, but it's, it's always something, you know, when you have this many locations and things are going on, it's, it's, it's always something, you know, that, I mean, in any kind of business, you're all, you could work 24 hours in your own business and never get it all done. So, so, so you know that's all fantastic stuff. And, and to your point, with all the you know different organizations trying to you know help our wounded warriors and and, and our military, it's you know it's never enough. And and uh, kudos to you guys for all the things that you're doing. And God bless everyone else that's that's you know helping you know whether sure. it's the wounded warriors or all of our military personnel and in, in, in every walk of life. We can't thank all of those organizations enough. That's right. And 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 one of the organizations you know that you're working with, Jim right, is Booz Allen. You guys are going to be doing oh, yeah. Yes. tournaments. You know, you know Maria Darby. Uh, I was, she's a partner in Booz Allen, and um, I grew up at Bethesda Country Club. My dad was a member there. They gave me an honorary membership. I'm just so grateful. I never use it because I work too much. But, but the point is, the 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 Booz Allen Hamilton relationship and the RBC relationship we just got this year RBC signed on gave us some money and um we're going to be working with them as you know how big RBC is in with golf um, so we're going to take some of our our money that 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 we've socked away and we're going to we're going to re- you know use that and to make some money um so uh so that SMGA doesn't you know we don't have to worry about the viability of the company going forward they're going to help us with that so um nice. And they and Booz Allen has raised uh, $180,000 at 16 locations in 16 cities this year for us. Um, and I can't say it enough. And I, I tell you, I don't do a very good job thanking them. So I'm glad I got an opportunity. I want to say thank you to all, not only the the employees, but all the officers um, at Booz Allen for how dedicated you are to protecting our military operations worldwide. I mean, they do all kinds of things with our defense industry and, and, you know, computer industry and, and they just do great stuff and they employ a ton of, uh, you know, military folks. So, um, and then they use golf as a, as a team building exercise and, and through our programming, they've they've been able to hire some people so it you know beyond just the golf golf is just sort of the the activity but it's all about people building uh relationships uh and and that's really what it's all about you know yeah absolutely and and you guys have a tournament right they've been sponsoring some tournaments you've had yeah several yeah we have an annual tournament at manor country club every year um, and Jamie Winslow, my co-founder, he works for Sumitomo Corporation, and all of my our high school buddies and college buddies, they all come and support us, and 
we raise about seventy five thousand we net uh every year and that's that's about we raise a half million so you know that's a good portion you know almost twenty percent of what we raise for the year in one tournament um we'd like to get more of those tournaments nationwide we'd like to We'd like to get, you know, five golf professionals that would love to throw a tournament and raise money for us. And that's what we're working on. We're going to work with the Philly section. John Rogers is um, the incoming president of the Philly section. And, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, we just want to do the right thing by the military. And and what you're doing is great. I mean, being able to give us an opportunity to talk about this. And so we're we're so appreciative for what you're doing for us. Uh, Absolutely. I'm, I'm honored and privileged to be able to do it. As we talk about the tournaments, Jim, you've actually got one coming up next month, right, down in San Antonio, Texas. Talk to, talk to our listeners how they can get involved and, and uh, where well, that tournament is. Well, you can go to our help. website, um, and, and you can sign up on our website, smga.org. Um, and we try to send a representative. That's why we have 14 board members. We try to get somebody down there because we, we want to make sure that we interface with people and let them know, hey, your money, this is where your money's going, uh, you know, I don't take a salary from SMGA at all. We have only two employees, you know, and I still teach for a living if, and I run my own business and I do this on the side and yes, they pay me for my coaching, but you know, I don't I don't take any any salary in any way shape or form. So, you know, 90 about 90% of what we raise goes right back in towards uh, goes towards the purchase of now in golf equipments, golf experiences, golf lessons, and that uh, San Antonio area is going to be huge for us because there's such a huge military population down there. You've got Sam Fort Sam Houston and the burn unit in San Antonio. Uh, a lot of the guys that are severely injured go there for treatment, and so um, we're excited about that. And um, without Booz Allen, none of that. They put together a strategic plan for us. Um, that we've been trying to implement um, through them, you know, they're, they've just, uh, you know, get 120 people uh, every, every in these golf tournaments. And so that it's, it's helpful. Every little bit helps. And so, and, yeah, if you call our office, you can call Dan Flieger um, uh, or Gina Myers. She's our director of communications. If you're, if you have trouble, we're, we're our website's in beta testing right now. And, and so I've, I haven't, you know, I've seen the new website, but it's not ready yet. It'll be ready next week. But if you have any trouble, just call one eight, uh, sorry, one three zero one five hundred seven four four nine, and talk to Gina, uh, or just go online and um, there should be an application to sign up, or you can call me directly at three zero one eight zero seven four four five eight, and um, I will definitely. Um, get you signed up to play if you live in san antonio i would encourage you to come out and, and support our military because we usually have some wounded warriors that play in the event and so you get to meet these guys that have used golf as a form of rehabilitation and um have been you know in a good way affected by smga and and so yeah that's we want to we want people to you know get the get out there and play some golf and 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 you'll be inspired playing with these guys more than anything else. I mean, it, to me, it's just amazing. Some of the things these guys are able to do. I mean, they're, they're just, they got the, all the traits you would want as a competitive player. I mean, you, you, they're cool under pressure. They're physically fit. You know, they, they take direction. Well, they'll practice all the things as a coach, you just would love to have these, these folks, they, they, they epitomize a, a perfect student. So, Yeah. 
Yeah, and 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 uh, I love the video that you guys put together, and and you played it this year at the Senior PGA Championship. It, yeah, that it showed was really the impact well done. that you're able to have. That was that was an outstanding video. And well, uh, Lowell Fowler, who works for the PGA of America, and and Val- Mallory Crossland, she's a director of communications, and uh, she produces all these videos. And and Lowell and his camera guy, um, he's just so talented. I mean, he he took. He took us all and interviewed us and put all that into. It just was amazing what he did with that. So I'm grateful to, um, you know, the PGA for for uh, bringing to light what we're doing. And I mean, it's not about what I'm doing; it's about what we can do to help these folks. And uh, if I can help in any way, I mean, there are people on my board that are way smarter than me, and I was smart enough to figure that out. So <laughs> that's that's the key. <laughs> right. And for for anyone uh, any one of our listeners that wants to check out the video, it's very moving and it and it really shows the impact that the SMGA is having on our our wounded warriors and our military personnel. You can find it on my Facebook page, on the show's Facebook page, next on the T with Chris Mascara. I also posted it out on my Twitter page. It's uh, it's fantastic stuff. Jim, a couple more before we let you go, and, and you mentioned this just a moment ago. You also do coaching, you know, of, of uh, people on the side as well. That's that's sort of your main yeah. job while you're well, doing I wanna, this. Talk, I, you know, talk about that. Sure. I mean, I'm so passionate about it. I, I, I teach at a, uh, a great range, Olney Golf Park. I got a covered and heated tee. I got two coaching bays that are heated indoors. Uh, it's today. It's probably this morning. I woke up. It was 38 degrees. It'll probably be about 55 today. But we have greens that you can hit to. We have an island green like the 17th at at Sawgrass. You can hit to. So it actually simulates a golf environment. So I'm blessed to be able to to teach at a great. We have a practice area and we have a practice hole that's 80 yards long. We have a big putting green that's grass grass tee. But I I um, I'm the high school golf coach at Good Council right there in Olney and. Um, you know, I'm really passionate about helping kids. I just got a kid to a golf scholarship to Yale, Jordan Jordan White's, or at least I helped him. Um, he got it himself. I shouldn't say I got it. He got it. But, uh, you know, so, you know, uh, just look up Jim Estes Golf, uh, dot, uh, com and, and, and if you uh, have any friends in, in D.C. area, push them my way. I got go. two kids in college, and uh, I can't get them <laughs> to play golf. My kids won't play golf. So, um Hopefully that's not a reflection on my teaching. <laughs> <laughs> sure it is not. And, and, and Jim, as, as I mentioned in your intro, you, you qualified to play in this year's Senior PGA Championship, which was held on the Pete Dye course up at you know one of our sponsors, the French Lake Resort. Fantastic yeah. place. You made the cut. Um, so talk about your experience in uh, playing you know on that golf course and in that event. I'll tell you this, and I you know I was so intrigued by the casino and the the hotel and the golf course and the story behind it pete Dye goes in and talks to the owner uh and on a napkin pete designs the golf course and the guy goes i forget his name and he's like yep that's what i want i want a major championship here and i don't care you know whatever it takes you got it you got to bring me a golf course that people are come to see the world's best players and and then I, I check in the hotel the hotel's awesome i go down and they say you got to check out this casino and all these underground areas where uh you know the history of of uh roosevelt and al capone and lucky luciano all these different uh people and and it, just to walk through there and see these tunnels and uh, it was just cool i mean uh 
I'm a big history buff, and so I was all into that stuff. And, and I'd encourage anybody that it's a five-star resort. Um, the golf is spectacular. The greens are lightning quick. They're in perfect shape. You know, I, I won a golf tournament on the Nike Tour. It was a Pete Dye course, Inland Empire Open. Uh, and so I'm a Pete Dye fan. Some people aren't a Pete Dye fan, but um, you can't deny the beauty of the golf course and, and the resort does everything they could possibly do to make your experience worthwhile so i encourage you to go and try it out yes they do it's a fantastic place i can't i can't say enough good things about it having uh had the opportunity myself to, to go out there and play on the p-tie course and to be at that resort it's absolutely fantastic so again for anyone listening in as you know they're a sponsor of the show go to frenchlick.com to yeah. uh to book your stay Jim, um, before we let you go, um, give our listeners who may be going out to play this weekend, what, what's one tip that you think that we can Sure, uh, you I, can I'll tell you a great with? tip. There's a difference between a competition or a playing mindset and a practice mindset. So keep in mind, don't think about any uh, – when you're playing golf, don't think about body parts. Think about the target and the feel of the club head. It's been proven through research. If you think about a body part, like move your hip or how's my swing feel at the top, where my hands are, all that stuff is counterproductive. you got to think about the target. you got to think about the club head, what it feels like in your hands. Your hands are your only connection to the club, and at the end of the day, you got to get that club pace aligned perpendicular to the target line, and you got to get the feel of the swing in your mind. So what I try to do is I'll hit a driver – you know, 180 yards, then 200, 220, 240, and then I'll take a full swing at it. And what I'm trying to do is go through the same exact routine that I would use on the course. So for me, I get behind the ball, I see the shot, I feel the swing, and I just uh, and talk myself through the shot. And I would encourage you to get a routine that you can rely on and try to do the same thing every time and target and tempo. And don't think about any body parts. Think about the feel of the swing and what it feels like or the club head feels like in your hands and work on your impact feel. There you go. That's great advice. Jim, uh, how can you remind our listeners one more time, how can they, you know, follow you on social media and then stay up to date with everything you've got going on with the salute military golf association? Yeah. So, um, SMG has a Facebook page, you know, and I would encourage you to like us, encourage you to like Jim Estes golf Inc, uh, my Facebook page and, Go to the SMGA website. Uh, if you have any questions, there's contact information for myself and for our office. Um, and, you know, I try to tweet, and I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not great at it. But if you have any questions or concerns uh, about, you know, donations, we have it on, you know, on our website. You can donate. It's totally secure. We've never had any problems, um, knock on wood. And, uh, yeah, so – like the SMGA Facebook page, like Jim Estes Golf, and, um, you know, we want to make golfers for life. So I'd encourage anybody that's interested in golf to try to reach out to a military veteran and um, just thank them for their service. You know, I mean, a lot of guys don't really care about the thanks. They want, they want you know, that they think it's their duty to do that, and, and um, that's their job. But I think it means a lot to them, really. And you can follow Jim uh, on Twitter at one, the number one golf doc. He's on yeah. Twitter as well. Jim, yeah. thank you so much for coming back on the show with me again today. It's always a privilege to get to spend some time with you. I hope you'll come back again soon and update us on all the things that you guys have got going on. Cause it's all fantastic stuff. 
Well, I appreciate it, and I love to come here on your show. And and I just am, like I said before, I'm grateful for your for your for the opportunity that you give me to be able to talk a little bit about what we're doing because it's huge. So thank yes, you. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Thank you again, Jim. Happy holidays to you and your family. We look forward to the opportunity, hopefully, to catch up with you again real soon. Yeah, the best to you and yours, Chris. Thank you again. Take care. All right. Take care, Jim. That's Jim Estes. Again, uh, go to smga.org. Salute Military Golf Association. What a wonderful organization that uh, Jim has co-founded and the work that they are doing with our wounded warriors. Can't, like I said, you know, impressive is not a, a strong enough adjective for all the great work that they are doing over there. Please check them out online, see how you can get involved in, uh, and hopefully with the, with the nine locations and the tournaments, there's going to be a place near you so you can get involved and be a part of the, uh, with some of these great folks. All right, we're going to get to our, our, my next guest, Sean McKeel on the other side of this word from our friends over at the French Lick Resort. You just can't beat this weather. The leaves are starting to change. It's the perfect time to get away to French Lick Resort and play the courses the champions play. This year, the Pete Dye course at French Lick has hosted the Senior PGA Championship and the legends of the LPGA Championship. Play our Donald Ross course and feel like 1924 PGA champion Walter Hagen. Fall is the perfect time to play the courses the champions play at French Lick Resort. Book our Hall of Fame package now at FrenchLick.com. You're listening to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, heard around the world on the Armed Forces Radio Network. Now back with me to answer more of your questions on the Seymour Putters guest line is our good friend and 2003 PGA champion, Sean McKeel. For those of you who haven't been with us recently, I want to continue to remind everybody about Sean's accomplishments back in the early part of the 2000s before injury sort of sidetracked his playing career a little bit because I believe he's one of the most underappreciated players of the 2000s and based on some of the great comments that I've been getting over the last couple of weeks, several of you do as well from 2000 to 2007. We all know Sean won the 2003 PGA championship at Oak Hill three years later at the 2006 PGA championship at Medina. He finished second to Tiger Woods. He had a third place finish in 2002. So it's not like he came from out of nowhere to win the 2003 PGA championship that some folks would have you believe in all over the eight year stretch that we talked about here. He had 17 top 10 finishes, 48 top 25s, and he went over $7.3 million. And let's not forget that he came back from injury in 2010 and had three more top 10s, five more top 25s, and went over a million dollars in that season. So I want to keep reminding golf fans and remember, you know, and members of our media too, Sean McKeel is far from a one-hit wonder because, as you can see from his record, there weren't too many players better than Sean from 2002 until 2010. And like I say, if it wasn't for Tiger Woods, and I know a lot of guys can say this out there on tour, but Sean would be a two-time major champion right now. And uh, it's always a privilege to have him back with me next on the tee this morning. Good morning, Sean. How are you, my friend? Hi, Chris. Good morning. How are you today? I'm really well, thank you. So, Sean, before we get into more questions from our audience, I you know, wonder how have you remind everybody what's what's next in the process for you to you know to get back out on tour. Well, you know, getting back on tour these days is if you're not exempt, it's a tough place to be. Um, you know, right now, um, you know, today I'm just sitting here. I was actually. Uh, just looking at my iPad, I'm going to Florida in uh, in February. I'm going to rent a place down there for six weeks. And, um, you know, last week I was sitting around and I was kind of trying to come up with a plan on what I 
thought I needed to do. I've been spending a lot more time in the gym um, recently. And, um, you know, I think my plan starts with, um, you know, really at the beginning. And I think that's getting a teacher uh, more involved in uh, the technical parts of my game. So I've talked to um, Bradley Hughes, um, if anybody that, that follows YouTube or not, he's got some great, great videos out there. Um, he was a player he's from Australia, lives in Greenville, South Carolina now, um, works with Robert Allenby. Um, anyway, so we had talked, and I think right now, I mean, that's that's the first thing I want to do is to try to get back into um, the technical part of my game, which may entail going back to being to remedial training, as I, if you if I'm going to call it that. Um, basically, just start over, and um, I've got I've got plenty of time. And um, but yes, I do want to get back onto the PJ tour. I feel like um, you know the game has passed me by a little bit, but I would like to to kind of get back out there and and, and compete um, because I think mentally I think I can do it, but. The game's changed a lot, and uh, guys are driving it far. They're, the young players are uh, they're winning. They're uh, they're mentally strong and, and all that. So I don't want to do it for anyone else but myself. Um, you know, as, I, as I've said before, you know, golf can be a very selfish game, and I think we do get caught up in the entitlement aspects. Um, you know, when you're playing well, people want a lot of your time. Um, you know, they're, they're throwing things at you. You're traveling around and, uh, on someone else's dime and, and everything. But, um, I think I'd just like to have this last, this last moment, I think on the PJ tour for me. So it's going to entail a lot of work, um, you know, a lot of practice. Um, and, and I think that starts with, with hiring a new instructor. And I think that's, that's really kind of first and foremost on my mind. Sean, our, our first question this week is, uh, Sean, have, have you used, and you, you sort of alluded to this a moment ago, have you used a sports psychologist to help your game, and do you see value in it? Well, I think I have, yes. I mean, I'll answer, I guess I'll answer that part first. Yeah. Yes, I've used one. I, I When I first, uh, you know, I've been on tour a couple of times, and at the end of the 1990s, um, I, I, I went to a, uh, Morris Pickens, who has really grown his business. He's down there in Sea Island and works with Zach Johnson and, um, you know, I think all the Sea Island guys, Matt Kuchar, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of guys. I hate to throw out names, but, you know, he, um, you know, we just, I went to his house and, and a lot of it back then it seemed like, preparation and pre-shot routine and things like that. And I see a lot of that in people and it gets a little bit maddening and, and uh, um, the length of the time it takes some of these players to, to kind of pull the trigger. And I certainly have fallen prey to that myself. So I'm not, you know, you know, just um, talking now both sides of my mouth, but um, I think there is some value in it. Um, you know, you you get to a point in your career where um, you've maybe lost the desire. I mean, you have the desire to play, but you've you've just kind of forgotten what you did when you play well. And I think what happens is you you, you find that when you start tinkering around with your golf swing, um, you know, you kind of forget what you were doing when you were playing well, and that kind of creeps into your your mental game because, uh, you know, I've certainly spent a lot of time in hotel rooms 
you know, just type it in Google searches. Um, I've said this before. I think if people looked at my search history, they'd be probably shocked at the things that I'm looking for. Um, you know, anything from eye alignment and those types of things. So I would probably write for um, a few couch sessions. I mean, I might I might be there for a few hours, but um, <laughs> people need different things. Um, you know, people yep. struggle in the competitive part of it. They They struggle with finishing tournaments. They struggle with getting off of the first tee. They struggle with their concentration and maintaining that through 18 holes. Are you expending too much energy mentally throughout the day? And those are the things that I found that I was doing. You know, it got to the point where my when I wasn't playing very well, and there's you know, been a lot of that. Um, but I would be on the first hole, and I would be like, okay, this is what I'm going to do today. Then I would get to the second hole, and I'd think, well, that swing didn't work. What am I going to do? So instead of really focusing on the, a little bit of the pre-shot and then target, like Jim was saying in the previous you know, call that um, I was getting caught up in the technical aspects, um, you know, of swing and everything else. And by the time I got around to the 18th hole, I was so exhausted just mentally um, that I was I was just fried, and I didn't have any desire to go practice because I didn't know what to practice. Then that, you know, that carried over into my practice sessions at home. You know, I'd go out one day and I would I'd hit the ball grass. Okay, I'm going to try this. I'm going to open my stance up a little bit more and try to hit a high draw from there. And Oh, yeah, that would work one day. Then the next day I would try it, I'd lose it. So th- there's a lot of value in it. I think it just you have to just be careful um, and find the right person because there's a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of people out there making a lot of money off of players. And, um, you know, you just have to find, you know, find what it is that you need. And maybe you don't even know. Um so it's hard to it's hard to say, but I certainly have had had a lot of a lot of thought about going back to it. Now I've talked to Dr. Rotella before. I've certainly read a, a lot of his books and stuff like that. But um, I, I just kind of always felt like I could fix it myself, and I never really wanted to entrust um, you know a lot of this stuff to someone else. And uh, maybe it's just maybe I was just afraid. I don't know as to what I was going to find out that I wasn't I wasn't um, strong enough mentally to compete at a high level. I don't know, but I just I felt like, you know, the physical part of the game took precedence over the mental part of the game. Um, and as I've gotten a little further in my life, maybe it needed to be the other way around. So there is tremendous value in it, you know, if if you can find, uh, if you can have that person can really find what you need. And and to that point, Sean, you know, the game can be such a mental grind. And you mentioned that a moment ago, right? You know, we talk about it on the show all the time. You and I have had several conversations about this, about, you know, the mental side of the game and the mental approach and, you know, how much of it is played, you know, between our ears. But, you know, just to the the idea of all the other sort of, you know, in, I guess influencers or, or pressures on you, you know, you're already, if you're already st- sort of struggling a little bit with your game and to try to find yourself, and we all find, you know, we weekend hackers, you know, we'll have a couple of good holes and we have a couple of bad holes and you try to bring yourself, you know, back into the game and, you know, not, not sort of to lose it mentally and let the round get away from you. But on top of all of that sort of stuff and the swing thoughts and these sort of thing, and then when you've got it, you know, guys out there where, you know, the, the Keegan Bradleys of the world that have these incredible pre-shot routines and now the slow play is yeah. slowed down and all of that sort of stuff. 
how do you how do you come back or how do you try to not let that you know get get in the way and then really just sort of enjoy the scenery enjoy the round and enjoy the people that you're with how how have you been able to try to you know get yourself grounded again and block out all that other stuff yeah i don't know it's there's a lot of it out there you know and you see all the people on the outside of the ropes and you know next thing you know you've you've hit a foul ball over there and now you're you're embarrassed you're hearing all the snickers and all the things um it's hard it's hard to kind of come back um to neutral and you know i'll just say this that you know a strong mental game does not guarantee any type of success you know you still have to have the talent and uh you know the physical abilities to to play um you know you've got to have a good foundation in your golf swing but when you achieve a certain level and you're not playing well and you and you know your teachers like your swing looks the same then you got to try to figure it out Mentally, it is difficult to block everything out, um, you know, but you have to, um, you know, results and, and you have to have confidence. I think confidence comes from, from really good results. I mean, you can go out there on the first tee and believe that you're going to win the tournament, but the moment you make your first double bogey, it's kind of shot. So, um, you know, it, it's hard to say. It just, you know, you have to find a way to um, entrust in all of the things, all of the preparation. You hear this you hear this on college football. As I'm sitting here watching college game day, you talk about the preparation. I go, I've go. i always talked about the fundamentals of the game. Um, you know, so I believe a lot of the mental side comes to the, from the physical side. I think I don't care how, uh, how strong you are mentally. If you don't have a good foundation of the golf swing, uh, you know, you're just not going to play well. I mean, you think Charles. Look at Charles Barkley. I mean, I, I remember this the show that he did with Hank Haney. You know, um, someone like that, probably very strong mentally, was very successful in what he did. But there's no way he could take that on tour. Um, you know, and look at look at Jack Nicklaus. Jack Nicklaus has gotten older. You think mentally he probably hasn't changed any, but he just doesn't have the physical attributes really to compete. So you have to have both. Um, to achieve a high level of success. There's been a lot of us that have had uh, a, a little bit of success out there that that either weren't able to sustain it um, through for whatever reason. Um, and then those guys like Tiger and, and Phil that have this ability to uh, really shut everything out. I, you know, I suspect that guys, you look at, look at Michael Jordan, they talk, you, you see this with actors, you know, you, you meet a guy, or, or a lady, and, and she plays a villain or something on on TV, and they're not they're not who they are um, on screen. Or you you meet the nicest person on screen, and they're not like that. So there's um, there are challenges and hurdles that people have to overcome. Um, you know when when they're at the at the highest level of their game. And um, for those of us that have never been there, we don't really understand. Uh, you know, just what they're thinking and how they've been able to be so successful. But I mean, I've kind of gone on a little bit about it, but it, it's um, you just have to f- kind of find a way for to get back to center and get back to neutral. And, um, you know, and I think a great mental mind is comes from great play. I don't know. I mean, I, I just, I might have a, uh, the cart before the horse, but, um you know, once you spend a lot of time on the range, kind of honing your craft, um, you know, then then I think it's time that you can start devoting some time to the mental side. But 
it's it's challenging. I, I I don't really even understand it to be honest with you. I don't. I mean, I know that this, the the practice of visualization, um, you know, has been studied in all in all sports. You know, you see guys that struggle with their free throws, and um, you know, they take these these lasers and they basically draw a you know, used to the the guy shooting the free throw sees a laser going from uh, you know, his hand to the hoop at the right, you know, elevation. So it's a lot of things that, that the mind can can let you do, um, if you just let it. And uh, you know, my goals were always to try to figure out a way to play Thursday through Friday like I played the Wednesday Pro Am. Never could do it. Um, maybe a couple times. It was just it was just too difficult. I couldn't couldn't just, you know, put a tee in the ground and, and just swing. I always had to be thinking about something and that's, it's hard to, um, it's hard to play golf that way. And uh, Sean, as you mentioned early on here, you talk about, you know, if you make a double bogey and uh, now maybe you're out of, out of contention or out, out of the golf tournament, when, when, and, and we all do this too, obviously as, as hackers, you know, we're going around, we're trying to break 80, trying to break 90, whatever it is, you know, we have a, a goal set for ourselves during the day. And if, if, and when the round goes sour and we realize we're not going to make that goal for you, if you're not going to make the cut or get into contention, does, does the focus change for you? Is it, does it become a, a you know, Hey, I just want to get out of here and let me just finish this round and, and, and move on. Or, or do you reset in your mind a goal for the day and say, all right, look, I'm not going to make whatever it is. And now uh, do, you, do you go into like practice mode or does it change that way? Or is it just, let me get out of town. Yeah. I've, I've, I've felt that way for sure. I've certainly felt like, you know, when things Thursday or Friday, usually on Friday, you know, if you, you think you're not going to make the cut, um, it's hard to stay in there, but I think um, you owe it to, um, you know, you owe it to the fans um, you owe it to yourself first, but you owe it to the fans to go out there and give a hundred percent commitment. Um, and you know, it's, it's hard to do. I've not, I've certainly been, um, been the person that, that just went up and, and just hit it. Um, you know, but you got to respect, respect the game and you got to respect your playing partners because they may be playing well or fighting to make the cut. But certainly when you make the cut and you and things aren't going too well. And I've said this before that a lot of people make, a lot of, um, uh, you know, make a lot of winning golf tournaments. And certainly that is the most important, uh, you know, kind of part of it. And we're all out there trying to win. But we also are out there making a living. That is how we make our living. Um, and there comes a point, I think, in a golf tournament when everybody realizes, not everybody for sure, but when you realize that you're not going to win the tournament. And that's where you got to try to figure out how can I finish in the top 10? You know, you're playing for so much now. You're playing for not only money, but you're playing for world ranking points. You're playing for FedEx Cup points. Um, and so there are reasons or there are things out there that you need to kind of hang in there for because every dollar matters. And uh, so, yeah, I think uh, I, I took a lot of pride for me when, when on Sunday, if I wasn't playing well, that, that my goal was to try to shoot the lowest score on Sunday of anybody. And I understand that moving up from 70th to 40th, uh, if you finish 40th, isn't great. But to move up at all and to have the uh, the energy and the uh, passion to, to try to play well on Sunday as opposed to just tanking it and getting out of town in two and a half hours, uh, I take a lot of pride in those things because there was one year I finished, you know, I did that four or five times where I had the lowest score on Sunday. And, um, you know, made a little bit of extra money, but, but more to the point that I – I felt good about 
you know, being out there and, and uh, giving 100% because it's no fun to go out there and watch somebody that just is backhanding putts and doesn't really care and is, is all he cares about is, you know, getting on to the next week. And you might mentally feel that way. You just can't out really show that. And uh, But I, I've certainly done that, uh, no doubt. But, um, you know, just got to take a lot of pride in yourself and, and uh, there's always something to play for. There you go. You know, the, and the tour, what's the tour say is every shot counts. Every shot matters. And uh, it really does. I mean, I, I think about, go back to, it's probably been 15 years ago now, maybe a little bit longer. But I remember Billy Andrade missing out on the on the tour championship by $5. And uh, that was wow. probably the late 90s. Yeah, so that's kind of hard to imagine when you, when you have a purse. You know, the purses are, you know, in excess of, you know, well, back then probably 100, 150 million. Now they're somewhere up around probably three hundred million dollars in purses, probably. Um, so um, you know you gotta you gotta fight for that, and it's easy to go back and look at shots. I mean, sometimes it could be the first hole, the very first tournament you play that year. You get out there and just start throwing shots away. And you're like, ah, it's no big deal. It's the first term of the year, and then you come to the end of the year, and you either haven't kept your card, or you miss out by five dollars, or you don't get into the invitationals, and so. It's important, and that's again where the mental the mental side of it comes in. That you just cannot afford to just throw in the towel at any point in time. And if you ever feel that way, it's time to go home. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great point. You know, we think about you know guys that you know have lost a tournament by a stroke or may have you know bogeyed or or worse on a hole that have that have lost out you know in, on a golf tournament or winning a golf tournament. But you know, to your point. You know, it's it's got to be equally as eating to you, as you mentioned in the example with Billy Andrade, to kind of get back towards the end of the year when things, whether it's FedEx Cup points or, you know, getting into a golf tournament, uh, whether it's a major or something you know, in, in the in the playoff now. Uh, if you look back on that and, and you are just on the cusp and uh, to think, you know, boy, I, I mailed it in back in April or May in a golf tournament. And if I had just, you know, if I had just made – that extra $5 or had one more stroke, you know, boy, it's really come back to bite me. That's got to be hard to live with just as much as losing out on a golf tournament or missing a cut. Yeah. I mean, you know, I have a stat that I keep it's, and I, I just call it throwaway shots. And, you know, I look at scoring type clubs, you know, you know, seven iron down through the sand wedge um, where, you know, I feel like, um, you know, I made a bogey somewhere um, that I shouldn't have made either by being too aggressive or just, just uh, a poor thought process or whatever. And, you know, um, you see a lot of that on par fives, you know, where a guy gets tempted, he can reach the green and he's tempted to go for the green. And he, he does and, and uh, you know, makes a poor swing, hits it in the water or makes a silly bogey. Um, those are the shots that I call throwaway shots, you know. And um, I've certainly had a lot of those lately. I didn't have a lot of that when I was younger. And I, I think just because I was so mentally in tune um, to my game. And the other thing that I've noticed about me is <clears throat> I've gotten a lot more conversational, I think, on the golf course in the last four to five years. Um, you know, and uh, I don't necessarily think that's a great way to play either. Um, you know, I think it's okay to acknowledge your playing partners and have a little bit of conversation. But I certainly have noticed that I've gotten a lot more friendly on the course. Not not that I was, you know, unfriendly to play with or unpleasant <laughs> yeah. to play with. I just, you know, I, I remember just playing. Uh, it goes back to college days that I just, I was playing. And, and, and uh, that was it. I would acknowledge your shot and everything else. But I didn't really care, you know, to talk about, 
you know, injuries and health and family and all that other stuff. And, uh, um, you know, maybe I've just relaxed a little bit and, um, you know, that's the type of golf that I want to play now. I don't know, but, um, it's, it's hard to, uh, to be on top of your game and, uh, you know, be wanting to, to win and beat the other guy, other guy's brains in without, you know, and all of a sudden you're out there talking about, you know, football, the football game that was on last night. I mean, those are the types of things that probably for the locker room and maybe the range and certainly after the round. But I think during the round, I think it's just, um, you know, so I always kind of felt like it was a lonely game because it was just you and your caddy out there. And, uh, right. But um, there's certainly a lot of it that – a lot of things that I – the way I used to play that, uh, um, you know, I kind of just remember that that probably that's why I was playing so well. And uh, you know, it's okay now. I'm fine. I enjoy conversation as much as anybody. But <laughs> I think it takes away from um, some of the things that you're trying to do. Sean, one one of the followers I noticed that you have on Twitter is Gary Player, and you've talked about you know some of the opportunities you've had to be around the legends of the game through the, through the course of the time that you've been with us on the show. But talk about your relationship with Mister Player, and maybe some of the advice that uh, he has shared with you over the years. Well, yeah, I mean, I think uh, you know you you um, uh, you know kind of get get out there and and are playing on a more on a regular basis uh you, you know you're getting a chance to play in some major championships i mean obviously the age difference between us is uh is nearly double but um i met gary i think at uh you know of course i had seen him around um you know when i was younger on tour and and i'd watched him play here in memphis uh when i when i lived at colonial country club when they had the old danny thomas memphis classic which has become the FedEx St. Jude Classic. And um, you know, so I've always watched him, and I know a lot about his story, you know, his, his travels and everything. But the first time I ever really got to spend any quality time, uh, to borrow a term quality from from, <laughs> from Les Miles, he loves that term, um, you know, is was the Masters in 2004. It was my first, my first Masters. And he was uh, – he was hitting some chips. Um, the, the practice facility was was totally different then, um, and they redid it about three four years ago. But we were just over on the on the side there and um, the chipping green and hitting some bunker shots. And I was watching Gary and and I actually have some pictures that my wife had taken of us in the bunker. And um, you know we were just working on different shots and he was just showing me a lot of things. Um, you know, not so much about how to play the golf course, but just basically how to hit certain shots. And I've seen Gary quite a bit over the years. Um, and, uh, you know, I enjoy, um, I enjoy what he has to say. I, I certainly, you know, I know, uh, you know, Wayne, I haven't seen Wayne in a while, but I know, it, you know, his family a little bit. Um, but, you know, he's an interesting man and uh, has really um, done a lot for the game. Um and uh, I enjoy I enjoy listening to him. I enjoy his stories. He's got such a vibrant personality at his age. Um, it's incredible. And uh, um, but he's just just a, just a great man. And I enjoy I just enjoy talking to all those guys. Matter of fact, when I when I you know when I won the PGA and I was defending and I and I uh, was having hosting the dinner at at, um, at Whistling Straits in 2004. 
um, you know, the champion gets to ask two people to kind of speak on his behalf. And I thought a lot about it. Um, it was who I was going to pick. And I, and I had Dal Finsterwald speak and Tiger Woods speak. And basically I did that because I, I, I enjoyed the, the game and, and where, where it has evolved from. And um, I had him kind of Dal speak on kind of what golf was like back in the 40s and 50s and really how it's evolved. And it was uh, those are the types of things I enjoy talking you know, with Gary about, you know, the technology and even Mr. Nicholas, you know, we, we, I like to talk to him about that stuff. So, um, it's just, it's just fun for all of us to kind of learn the history. Um, you know, some people get, uh, I, I'm a history buff, much like Jim. And, and anytime I get a chance to, to meet up with a, a world war two veteran or, uh, someone like that, you know, I like to pick their brain. I, I love to read about, you know, love history and, and everything. So, I, as far as my conversations with Gary, it, it's usually not so much what's going on in the current state of, of golf, but much like kind of how it's changed. And and it's interesting that you mentioned hosting hosting the the dinner because that's one of our questions this week is Sean, what was on the uh, dinner menu when you uh, came back to host uh, the dinner at the 2004 PGA Championship? Yeah, well, that, you know what, that was a no brainer for me because um, my good friends that own the Rendezvous. Uh, barbecue company here in Memphis. Um, uh, you know, they came up and hosted. Um, they flew up and and we had ribs and chicken and uh, we had all sort of baked beans and potato salad and coleslaw. I mean, there was there was uh, there was uh, you know uh, I was more worried about the vegetarian side, and I think we had some vegetarian dishes. But um, yeah, they came up and did that, and and it was a hit. I think. The, uh, I, I was really nervous. I was nervous about that dinner, really. Um, you know, because again, it was my uh, first time to be, and I played with these guys before and everything else. But I, as I said, maybe a couple of weeks ago, I was had now joined an elite club, a fraternity, if you will, of of major champions, and um, I just didn't really know how I was going to be received. Uh, and maybe today, I still don't, but. Um, I think uh, uh, being around uh, some of them and, and getting some acknowledgement, um, you know, of the accomplishment was settled me down a little bit. But I certainly enjoyed um, my, my gift to everybody was, uh, you know, Gibson electric guitar, um, which is actually they've got one down in the, for everybody? In the Hall of Fame. And, yeah, well, for all the officers and all the players. Yeah, so wow. the player, the, the defending champion – uh, basically, uh, well, not basically, gives out a gift, and also so does the wife. And that was something else that was new for '04. Every other champions' dinner, up until mine, was was done separately. The women hosted one, and the men hosted one. And my year was the first year that they had both men and women, which was a great comfort to my wife Stephanie, a very a very outgoing person. But um, anyhow. Um, so that, that's a, uh, you know, that was, uh, pretty exciting, uh, to be able to host that with her as well. But so, yeah, I mean, everybody gives out a gift. She gave out a gift, um, and, you know, trying to keep in ties with, with Memphis, Tennessee, which is, I picked the rendezvous and, um, and, and then Gibson guitars, you know, the Gibson guitar factory is, is downtown Memphis right next to FedEx forum. And, and, um, so you can search online. You can type in my name and type in Sean McKeel Guitar PJ or some some innocuous thing like that, and and um, 
it'll come up and you know, and uh that was I think that was a really big hit. Um you know, no because doubt. uh you know, guys like Tiger and of course John Daly, you know, he plays we, we you know, we both play guitar and stuff. So a uh, matter of fact I'm I'm looking at it right now and uh it was it was really it was really cool and uh you know, I'd certainly love to win again. I don't know what I would give out next time. Um but I I'll find <laughs> something maybe hard to top that. But, you know, that was you know, maybe I'd go with an acoustic guitar. So anyway, that was uh, was pretty cool. Indeed. Sean, our next question is, Sean, what is it about the Champions Tour that you're looking forward to? Is it just being back out on tour? Is it the competition? Or is it the uh, camaraderie with the players? Yeah, I think a little bit, a combination um, of all those. Um, You know, I uh, I, I looked at my, my good friend, Todd Hamilton, um, who just turned 50 in October, and he's played one event. And, um, you know, we travel a lot to Europe, uh, kind of when our exemption was up here in the States. And, um, you know, I think just to get out there and play um, competition, the golf courses, um, I think I still have some length. You know, Todd still has some length because we've stayed, we've stayed pretty competitive and uh, play every day. But... When you walk into the lunchroom at uh, on the tour events now, you don't really recognize anyone. Um, there's a few guys that are they're still managing to play well, but you see that you see this the change, the changing of the guard, and um, you know. But I look forward to kind of getting out there and, and just uh, playing. Uh, the, the competition has always been there, but I think yeah, the camaraderie and, and, and playing with with guys that I, that I played with and kind of my protégés, you know, that, that, uh, you know, uh, I think we broke up anyway. So I think just the competition, uh, really is probably first and foremost, but also to get out there and maybe play a little bit more of a schedule. I mean, I haven't played a, played a schedule in a few years. Um, you know, the champions tour is really out there, I think to, um, you know, not kind of send you off on your way, but, um, and as you see now, just how competitive these guys are, the numbers that they're shooting. I mean, Bernard Langer has done so many incredible things. It's amazing that as competitive as he is, um, you know, I think he could still compete on the regular tour if he found the right golf course. But golf courses have gotten so long, and, um, you know, that doesn't make for a lot of fun. So I spent some time at Champions events with my good buddy, Lauren Roberts, and, uh, the golf courses are set up tough. I mean, they're not they're not uh, cakewalks by any means. But I think just getting back out there and and uh, and playing with guys that um, you know that I grew up with and that I played with, you know, for all of my career that that's probably what I look for most. Sean, let's talk about a couple of things you know off the golf course, if you will. I know in the past you've been approached by some folks, whether in the media, whether at the Golf Channel or other outlets, to be a commentator, that sort of thing. Is that something you're considering uh, for 2016? Well, I don't know. I had a, I had a talk, um, a discussion with someone at the at the Golf Channel over the summer. It was back in June, and we were talking about it. And um, you know, at the time, I was still so uncertain about you know, what was going to happen and, uh, with my playing. And I did get in a few, few events over the summer, which, uh, which I enjoyed, um, you know, it's a commitment, I think, um, because I still mentally want to get out there and compete. I I don't know how well I do. I, 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 uh, I think there'd be, um, you know, my brother-in-law runs two news stations in West Palm beach and I've tried to pick his brain a little bit, 
um, about, you know, kind of what it entails. Certainly I'd have to bring, I get a little long-winded in my interviews and my answers, um, and so I would have to rein that in quite a bit. But, uh, I look, I enjoy golf. I enjoy talking about golf. Anyone that, that, that you know, that asks me a question, I'm, I'm there to answer. I certainly have the experience. I've been out there long enough. I know uh, really how the, how the tour runs and, and what guys are thinking out there. Um, I just hadn't been able to make a commitment to that. I'm, to be honest with you, I haven't thought about that in a while. Um, but I did have some conversations about um, getting down there. Now, there's there's one thing I'd like to do. I, I you know, one of the producers um, sent me a message the other day, and and uh, there's a golf show that's going to be launching um, here pretty soon. And we had talked about maybe coming down there and, and doing some things. Um, but I just don't. I just haven't I haven't thought about that much. Um, you know, lately in the last couple of months. Um, I love all the golf shows. Uh, John McGinnis is a good friend of mine, and we played a lot of golf together on tour, and he does a great job with Katrick and McGinnis on tap. And um, I'm just not ready to make that make that commitment um, quite yet. Our next question, Sean, is the media often asks players negative questions trying to get you to say something controversial or to twist your answers around. Has that ever happened to you? Uh, yeah, I suppose so. I think a lot of, a lot of that centered around, um, you know, kind of my use of, um, you know, hormone replacement therapy in, um, um, you know, when I was going through uh, kind of the low T and, and all that when drug testing first started, um, you know, and it was interesting that you mentioned Gary Player because I remember in 2007, um, we were at Carnoustie for the British Open. And there was an article that came out. I don't, I don't recall what day it was. It might have been during the practice times. I think it was a Monday or Tuesday. It was an interview that Gary had done um, about um, the use of drugs or PEDs in sports. And, um, you know, Gary firmly believed that there was, um, I don't know if he said significant drug use, um, PED use on tour, but that it was there. It was present. And splattered along the page of the of the Scottish newspaper was a picture of me, and it somewhat insinuated that I was kind of the the leader of the of the pack. Um, now my really? wife being an attorney, um, you know, um, you know there was a lot of I can tell you there was some um, some legal stuff that was going on behind the scenes. Um, because it insinuated that, you know, I was the one that was kind of, you know, doing all this stuff. And Gary never mentioned me by name, and I don't think he meant. I think that the the person, I I was out there in the forefront, um, probably was the first person to have received a therapeutic use exemption for the use of a banned substance. And, you know, testosterone seems to be the granddaddy of all of them. And um, so it, it was easy, I guess, to pick on me. So I spent a lot of time in with media training because I represented um, a company that um, that provided these products uh, for people and for men in need. And um, you know there were a lot of questions that I got, you know, that centered around, you know, um, the use of testosterone, the use of anabolic steroids. And of course, you know, I I was taught pretty quick early on not to answer those types of questions. I mean, I'm, I'm certainly no doctor, and I never never advocated, um, you know, or my my answers were never really 
advocating any of that type of use for anyone or everyone or whatever. But, um, you know, I had to be careful in, in the way that I answered certain questions because, um, you know, journalists are good. Some of them are really good. They can make, make you look like a fool and you start trying to answer questions and you don't really know the answer and you get all fumbled and everything else. Um, you know, so most of the time that anytime I got a question, you know, with any type of controversy, it was, it was centered around that. That's really what sticks out in my mind. But, Mm um, you know, I don't know. You see a lot of no comment. Everybody has an opinion, whether, whether it's on immigration or whether it's on, you know, who you (laughs) think the next president is going to be or religion or what's going on in the Middle East. Everybody has an opinion on almost every topic that's newsworthy. And almost 100% of us are probably not going to answer because it doesn't do you any good. You have you have relationships with sponsors. You have potential relationship with sponsors. Um, unless your career is over, um, you know, there's no reason to get into a lot of this stuff. Um, and so most of us don't. And um, it's probably wise not to. And I think it frustrates people, um, you know, because they, they want to generate. And the other thing that goes on out there are a lot of these polling-type questions. You know, there was one that, that, you know, they were talking about who's the least, who's the person that would you'd least likely help in a barroom fight. And I think Bubba Watson was the answer. And I, why, yeah. why do you answer these questions? I, 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 you know, some of the polling questions – you know, like, what's your favorite course? You know, rank the best course, rank the worst course, rank the best restaurant on tour. Those types of things are okay. But I think when you get into the negativity, you know, of asking, you know, players um, about other players, uh, man, you're on a slippery slope there. Uh, because, you know, you have to play with these people. And even though they're anonymous, I mean, it doesn't take a whole lot for someone to figure out who said what. And um, it's just best just to kind of keep all this stuff to yourself. And uh, but like every other person in the world, we all have opinions about things. And uh, some some most some people share your your opinions, and and some people don't. So um, you just have to you have to tread very carefully. And the, kind of along those same lines, Sean. Our next question is: What's the dumbest question a member of the media has ever asked you? Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> By the reaction, I'm guessing there's been a ton. I don't know. I mean, you know, you know, you know, some, I don't know. Some of the stuff, you know, again, goes back to, you know, when I first, um, you know, was asked about, you know, my use of testosterone and that goes back to Chicago. I think I can't remember what year it was. It might've been 05 or 06. And people had seen a change, kind of a change in me in the way, the way I was playing, the way I was communicating with people. And, um, you know, and that kind of started the ball rolling. But I mean, I, I look at a lot of the questions, um, that people ask me, um, you know, are pretty, pretty much in tune to what's going on. I mean, I don't find the media, um, at golf events, you know, you'll see people at, like, say, the Super Bowl. You'll see that here in about a month, a couple months. Well, they have the media day, and they'll just have some guy that just goes in and asks some, you know, stupid question on, you know. Um, but I don't find that so much in the media and the golf. I think there's very knowledgeable 
um, it's a small group of people that, that cover the game, and, and uh, they seem to be very knowledgeable. And I think, for the most part, golfers are, by and large, got to be one of the most educated group um, of athletes um, you know that you really come across. And I come across, and I'm speaking more of college degrees and those types of things, a lot of these sports, you know, look at tennis, a lot of these kids, you know, they, they come, they get to a high level at, at 17, 18 years of age, and not that they're not intelligent, but, but um, anyway, I, you know, I can't think of anything really offhand that, that people have asked me um, that was just really kind of off off the charts. You know, people have asked me about my wife, um, you know, um, my children and stuff like that. And a lot of those questions I, I just kind of dismiss because it doesn't have anything to do with golf. Um, so I, I can't, you know, I can't really think of anything, you know, off off the top of my head. It was just, um, you know, and I don't pay attention to a lot of that stuff. So I guess I'm kind of dismissive of it um, to a certain degree. And, um, you know, I... And, and to be honest with you, you know, I'm not someone that's ever really generated a lot of interest because, you know, you see the guys, uh, Jordan, of course, Tiger and Phil, that have their regular press conferences. You know, I can't imagine some of the stuff that they get asked. I know Phil is a very witty person and, and seems to answer some of these questions uh, with a lot of humor and um, some self-deprecation. Um but for me, I don't. I just can't think of anything that's really off off the wall, just absurd that people have asked me. Well, I guess that's good news. So, just a couple more, Sean, before we let you go today. Um, last question that we'll we'll go over is: um, uh, You've talked about the love you have for flying and aviation. Is being in the air, flying, is that the place where you find peace? Oh, I would say so. I I love it so much. I you know I I said you know about a month ago I think on your show that that I just the smell of jet fuel kind of kind of gets me going. I I really <laughs> do. Uh, you know, a friend of mine, um, he's a 757 captain for FedEx, and he took a picture yesterday. We're both hunters, and he took a picture out of his window at about thirty thousand feet going to Lubbock, Texas, and uh, showed me all the water in Arkansas and. Uh, I hunt with pilots. I'm surrounded by pilots with my father, um, you know, and I just want to talk planes nonstop. I, I, I just, um, you know, I think that was really my calling, to be honest. I um, fell in love with it at an early age. I spent a lot of time with my father um, in the flight simulators. I think I started going when I was about eight. Um, there would, there's usually two, there's two days of check rides, and I would go the first day, um, which was more of a was more of a training training type session, um, and then they would let me fly the planes. So I've really been kind of flying those and been around those planes since I was about eight. Um, I just I love it. I, I really do. I've been fortunate. I've got to fly an F-15 and an F-18. Um, I've gotten to fly a lot of different airplanes. Um, I just uh, just I, I just love being around planes. I love talking planes. I just uh, think that that was really my calling. And, uh, you know, I think had it not been for my golf coach in college, Sam Carmichael, who really kind of spurred me on to um, great things in collegiate golf, um, I think that's probably being an aviator would have been the path that I would have chosen. I mean, you know, the first, my freshman and sophomore year, I kind of was spinning my wheels, and, and I was a good player, um, you know, and who knows if I'd have made it on the PJ Tour. But it was really Sam Carmichael that um, not only – 
uh, you know, kind of worked with me and, and got my physical game in shape. But he just really gave me the belief and the confidence that I could compete and play on the PJ Tour. And, and who knows? You know, we didn't know when. I mean, was it going to be a year after college? I mean, I, I, I was an All-American my senior year. But, but look at Phil and David Duvall. These guys were All-Americans, you know, and they were destined for greatness. And um, so, <clears throat> you know, I got to a point in my college career that, that I was going to have to make a choice. And I still did continue to fly, you know. Um, I haven't flown really solo by myself in, in a few years. So, um, you know, it's not that I couldn't go back to do it, but I think a lot now with uh, the pilot shortage and, and uh, you know, guys are talking about that. It's like, oh, am I, am I too old to start to, fl- to learn to fly again, you know, to get out there? And it probably is. I probably am. But uh, I love it. I mean, we could talk all day about, about, about planes and how they work and why they work and, you know, the planes that I've flown on and, and uh, just, I just love everything about it. It's just a, it's a passion that I have. And um, I'll always have that. I, I, you know, I always will. And I always kind of wondered too, what, are, what would have been like had I chosen a different career path and, um, you know, um, being an AV or being a golfer is, you know, kind of afforded me the opportunity to, you know, to, to fly in private planes and to, to fly in the cockpit and, and, uh, and that, um, certainly if I'd have just been a regular aviator, um, you know, I wouldn't have ever been able to fly or meet the people that could have gotten me into an F-15 and an F-18. So golf has, has afforded me that opportunity and I'm appreciative of it. Um, but, um, I do wish kind of what would you know been like, um, you know, going to work right now and, and find an airplane. I, I suspect there's there's a lot of work things that I probably wouldn't have liked about it, but uh, uh, you know, kind of following my father's footsteps would have been would have been pretty cool as well. And Sean, one more here before we let you go this week, and it's uh, something that you and I have chatted about, and we've talked about your you know you potentially writing a book one day. I think there's a great one sitting inside you that's waiting to be put down on paper and would be very valuable to a lot of people to read and then kind of get an insight and a a further understanding of the things that, that, you know, you've gone through and the successes that you've had and the challenges that that you've had over the course of your life. Is is it something you're seriously considering? Yeah. I mean, I've been keeping notes really for a couple of years and, uh, you know, you, you are certainly not the first person to have asked me that, you know, I have a caddy that, um, that I've worked with for, for quite a while that's asked me the same thing. And as I've said to you and to him, that there's a great story in all of us. And as I, you know, when I emailed you the other day and, uh, you know, I think trying to get the proper message out there and I, and try to use, I mean, look, my career, I've, I've not had a hall of fame career and I'm okay with it. I really am. Um, I just think trying to get the right message out to people in a in a positive way because certainly there there have been a lot of things that we've discussed on on this show that have been very negative and I've been very open and honest about those types of things but there have been so many great things um, that have happened to me in my career so many great relationships and friendships but again trying to get the right message to out to to the young people who am I writing the book for I mean. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I I think at some point maybe I'll do it. I just don't, um, uh, you know, there's a lot of things about writing a book that I don't know anything about, you know, and that's, uh, you know, finding a publisher and, and those types of things. I don't think that would be very difficult. But, 
you know, I live with myself every day. My wife lives with me every day. And she's like, what are you going to write a book about? And I'm like, well, you know what? You've known me since, since I mean, I've known my wife since she was 12 years old. So she, she already <laughs> knows the book. She's lived the book. Um, you know, but uh, again, it's just about getting the right message, the right positive message out there. Is, is Would it be written for, you know, um, for kids that are looking forward to maybe an opportunity to playing professional golf, um, you know, just what it's like. And, and I just don't know that message, um, you know, yet. And, uh, you know, I certainly appreciate the, the questions that you you gave to me the other day to, to generate, uh, you know, my thought process and everything. So I'm, I'm seriously considering about it. I just don't know when I'm going to be able to do it. All right. Well, we hope it, we hope you do find the time because, like I say, I think there's there's an important message and an important uh, book is just just kind of sitting there waiting for someone to put it down on paper. And I hope you're the one to do it. And and uh, we look forward to hopefully the opportunity yeah. to, to talk more about that because I think it's uh, it's it's there. You just got to get it out. Right. You know. And I think it's just kind of like writing a song. You know, the big things of these songwriters is finding the hook. You know, and and what is that hook for me? Um, I I just don't know. But again, I think all of us have. We've got, we've had our, our lives are are challenging, and there uh, there's a lot of things that happen to us, you know, good and bad in our in our lives. Um, and so, um, and like I said, for me, trying to be able to get that get that message out there um, to, to give some benefit to to someone. Uh, that's really what I'd be looking forward to is to try to, um, you know, spur people on to, uh, you know, to become philanthropic. You know, I love what I do with Make-A-Wish. And so there's a lot in there uh, about them and being around these young people, these these families that are afflicted with these horrendous illnesses. Um, right. I, I really take a lot of pride in that. And um, so what message am I going to convey? I just don't know. And it, it needs to be a positive one because uh, golf's been great to me. And, um, uh, you know, if it were all to end today, I think I'd, I'd be disappointed a little bit in some of the things and the way it ended. But um, there have been way more uh, positive things, uh, you know, about my career than, than the negative. Well, there you go. And I couldn't agree with that statement more. Sean, before we let you go, remind our listeners how they can follow you online and over social media. Um, I'm at Sean McKeel PGA for Twitter and, and Sean McKeel on LinkedIn and uh, and, and Facebook as well. And, uh, I'm out there. So just, uh, ready to, ready to get some questions. I haven't gotten any questions in a while directly. So I did when we first started this thing, I, I got a few, but I haven't, uh, haven't lately. So I'm happy to answer any and all. There you go. Sean, thank you for uh, taking time to join me again this week. Always a privilege getting to, uh, to spend some time with you and talk to you and hear about your experiences and your insights. We, we look forward to catching up with you again either next week or as your schedule allows because it's a lot of fun, and I appreciate you uh, being a part of the show. Yeah, Chris, I love it. It's, it's been a lot of fun, so uh, I'm happy to be on any time with you. All right. Take care, Sean. All the best to you and your family. Look forward to catching up with you again real soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Chris. All right, take care, Sean. That is 2003 PGA champion Sean McKeel. And, le- and let me tell you one more time about, you know, what a fantastic part of the 2000s that Sean had. Again, you know, over an eight-year stretch, 17 top 10 finishes, 48 top 25s. You know, what won well in excess of $8.5 million, you know, in the early part of the 2000s. And uh, like I say, you know, he finished second at the 2006 PGA championship at Medina. So, 
it wasn't uh, for Tiger Woods winning that championship, Sean would be a two-time major champion. So, uh, and, and uh, above all of that, what a great individual Sean is. All right, my friends, it's uh, time for me to put a bow on this episode. Before we close up shop, for those of you, you know, who joined in late, I, I want you to hear again, uh, you know, about you know our friends over at uh, the SMGA, the uh, Salute Military Golf Association. You know, Jim Estes joined us at the beginning of the show. Powerful message. They're doing such great things. I want you to hear about it one more time. The Salute Military Golf Association was created to provide rehabilitative golf experiences to the brave men and women who have been wounded while serving our country. Hi, I'm Jim Estes, PGA Golf Pro and co-founder of the Salute Military Golf Association. With my adaptive golf program, we've successfully helped thousands of soldiers in their recovery, both mentally and physically. The SMGA has been providing family-inclusive golf experiences across the country since 2007. To date, the SMGA has equipped more than 1,000 warriors with properly fitted golf clubs and has extended its clinic series to more than eight chapter and affiliate locations across the U.S., if you are a wounded veteran interested in participating, or if you'd like to learn more about the Salute Military Golf Association and find a chapter closest to you, visit our website at smga.org. We've seen firsthand how impactful golf can be in aiding one's recovery. The Salute Military Golf Association, empowering wounded veterans one fairway at a time. Visit smga.org. That's smga.org. Yeah, they're doing such great stuff. And you heard Jim at the uh, at, at the beginning part of this week's show talking all about it. So please look him up, see how you can get involved, smga.org. All right, my friends, it's time for me to put a bow on this episode. My sincere thanks to Jim Estes and Sean McKeel for joining me today and for making today's show so much fun for me to be a part of. I hope you enjoyed it as well. Please check out our sister show, Thursday Night Tailgate, with me and my co-host Bob Lazari, our announcer Joe Lajanusa. That show airs live every Thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. You can find us all across the net on Blog Talk Radio, the Armed Forces Radio Network, iHeartRadio, Podbean. We're, 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 we're just about everywhere. Uh, please, you know, we every single week we talk with you know, great legends and stars from around both the NFL and the CFL as well. Please check out both shows on Facebook. Give us a like. That's important to us, too. Uh, you can find us online, and you can find this show on Facebook. Next next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, Thursday night tailgate, like I say, on the football side. Online, you can find us at nextonthetee.net and thursdaynighttailgate.com. You can stream or download any of our archive episodes for free, plus keep up to date with who some of our future guests are going to be by going to uh, to either site. Thanks again, folks, for choosing to listen to this show today. We know you have a lot of choices. We appreciate that you chose this one. Until next week, my friends, hit them straight. You've been listening to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA legends, pros and top instructors, and media members go to tell their stories. Join us the same time every Saturday to hear more stories about the game we love from the people who love sharing those stories with you. It's all about the great game of golf. It's all about the great game of golf.
Great things are happening at your friendly neighborhood Safeway. Stop by and see all the things that make a supermarket just better. Like new low everyday prices on family favorites. Shop with your club card and pick up bananas for an incredible 48 cents a pound. And for an easy, delicious dinner, get whole roasted chicken for only $4.98. Bigger selections, friendlier smiles, lower prices. Safeway, it's just better. 